Welcome to the Cannabis Enlightened Podcast with Dr. Leroy, brought to you by March and Ash at marchandash.com. I'm Chris Cantori, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to your host, Dr. Leroy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cannabis Enlightened. I'm your host, Dr. Leroy, and today we have some of the most interesting, stimulating, and dynamic guests with a topic that I think is far-reaching, and I, I don't think that a lot of people think about unions with respect to cannabis. So as you listen to this, pay close attention because these two individuals have a lot to say, a depth and wealth of knowledge about unions and how unions are in the cannabis space. With me today is Grant Tom and Maribel McKenzie. And I'm gonna start with Grant and I'm going to ask Grant to introduce himself. And Grant, tell me a little bit about who you are and, you know, what you do. Hi, Dr. Bray. Well, thank you for the wonderful introduction. I'm honored to be here with you. And, you know, my name is Grant Tom. I'm Secretary Treasurer of UFCW, United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 135. That's in San Diego, Mission Valley. And I am, we operate the union. That's what we do. That's what my position is. I'm secretary treasurer, the president, and I run the union. And we represent, you know, retail, medical, cannabis, and drug, also in drug retail and drug pharmacy. And that's who I am. I've been, you're working at the union. I've been here for 20 years. And um, At this union here in at, San Diego? At, at this union, yes. Wow. I used to be a union rep on the ground on the front lines, you know, advocating for members on site. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So what did you do before you were at the union? Before I was, um, I worked retail at that time. I was going through college, my first job. Well, actually it was actually my third job. I actually worked in a restaurant. I started out when I was a kid and my dad and my family, they were chefs. So of course that's kind of where I went. And that work is a different kind of work. And so after that closed down, I worked at retail. I worked at Vons. I was going through college. I paid my way through school, and it was a union job. Back then, we earned $4.10 for being a bagger, and minimum wage was like two thirty-five. It was two thirty-two, and it went up two thirty-five at some point. And I did that, and it allowed me to actually, you know, I had a family young, I was 18. I was able to do really well in a union job. I learned what it was and um, my coworkers, they taught me what it was like to be union. Some people listening to this aren't gonna really understand that $4 an hour, as opposed to, you know, where we're trying to get to right now, a living wage of $15 an hour. But, so you have a long history in the work world and with the unions. Oh, yes. Things were quite different. Gas was 99 cents. I remember that. And school was cheaper. I could actually work. I paid for my own way. So what led you to the unions as opposed to, it sounds like your family, uh, you came from a family of chefs in the restaurant business. Yes. What led you to you know, move from the restaurant to the union? Well, back then, when I worked at Vaughn's, I became a shop steward, and that is kind of a 
a, a role you take on voluntarily to kind of be a voice for the union and learn a little more in my union rep at that time. It allowed them to kind of teach me and train me a little bit more about leadership and how to kind of hold myself. And I was interested in that because a lot of my coworkers, you know, they mentored me. I understood what the union was. I understand where my benefits came from. And why I just, when I was 18, it was like, it allowed me when I was 21, I bought my first house. And it was allowed me to have a life. You know, we had things, we could go places. I had kids and um, I had my son when I was 18 at that time. And allowed me to actually sustain and have a family and be able to, you know, enjoy the fruits of the community and life. So can you talk about what are the duties of the Secretary of Treasury? I mean, are you, do you handle the finances? Yes, I direct the operations and um, the finances. We make decisions on how we operate and how to allocate the funds. We budget that way. We work together collectively, the president and I, and our controller to determine the roles of that and the daily operations and the direction and the vision what the union is and what it stands for. Right now, I want to direct our attention to your coworker, Maribel McKenzie. Now, our audience can't see her, but Maribel, <laughs> there you go. She has the kind of a smile that that when she smiles, it kind of lights up the room. Would you agree with that, Grant? Oh, absolutely. I can see finally. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Maribel, would you introduce yourself and, and tell us who you are? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you, Dr. Leroy, for having us here. And uh, my name is Maribel McKenzie. I'm the organizer and political director with United Food and Commercial Workers. Um, and just like Grant said, we represent a little bit of everything. Just uh, for our jurisdiction is here in San Diego County, is anything from uh, south of San Clemente up to the border and even cover some of Imperial Valley as well uh, and El Central. So um, that's kind of our area. And as far as for me, I'm an organizer and political director at the local and how long have you been involved with the, the union? I've been on staff there for um, going on, this is actually my 10th year. And prior to that, though, I came out of the stores, which is part of the bargaining unit, uh, out of Albertsons. Uh, I came out for to help as a SPUR, which is a special assignment representative uh, in service. Um, and that pretty much, that's something that's in the contracts that's a little bit more in depth with the, with the, uh, with the stores, right? So uh, one of the things, I was at the stores, at the grocery stores. Um, I was part of the 2003-2004 strike um, that uh I was definitely way younger at that time, and I was under my parents' roof still. So, uh, but I definitely got really motivated when it came at those times. When at first I thought it was interesting, I was I started off as a courtesy clerk at the stores, um, then went on to the service deli, to the bakeries, uh, working at the Starbucks department, in the deli department. I kind of went through all the routes in, in the stores and the departments. So. I was definitely given the opportunity to get on board with the union uh, after being at the stores for 10 years. So in total up to now, uh, from being a union member to being on staff, just being part of UFCW has been a little bit over 20 years. So now that now that the audience knows who you are, both yeah. of you, um, what do you do when you organize? Do you, do you, do you go in? Do you just go? to a particular company or do employees call you to come into them? How does it, how does it happen? How do you get to represent? 
It definitely varies. Um, obviously, when for the most part, for the unions, when the unions are trying to come into the companies, most companies are anti-union and they don't want us to go and organize locations. And more than anything, because what the union does, the union represents the workers, not so much the company. Um, we, we're there to do what's right for the workers, uh, make sure that we have a good contract. And uh, a lot of the companies don't like that. Um, good example, Walmart is very anti-union. Whenever they do their orientation uh, for the workers, they have their, you know, for their employee orientation, part of it is to be anti-union. Um, that's just one of the, one of the examples. Uh, but there's- is that, is that because of benefits, salary, or just, they just don't want you around? More than anything, I would say it would be benefits and salary. I mean, for the most part, if people are not part of a contract, are not part of a union, they, for the most part, tend to have to go and ask for that wage increase or they have to go and ask for that evaluation as opposed to when there's a contract, they're guaranteed a wage increase. It doesn't mean or it doesn't stop them from getting a higher wage increase if they deserve it, but at least that is there and they don't have to go based on favoritism or issues that are going on at work. So now you brought in something very interesting, a contract. Mm -hmm. So you two as the union, you go in and help the employees to develop a contract? Yes, we develop contracts in different, different industries and different companies, they operate different. And traditionally, unions are perceived where it's like, okay, heavy-handed, this and that. It's not like that anymore. And I think um, in this space or a cannabis space, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit different. You know, I know a lot of the contracts we have that we've negotiated over the last two or three years, um, we put together you know, jointly in partnership with the companies and we negotiate interest-based method like kind of we use interest-based methodologies we look for solutions for you know th you know different things and different elements that need to be corrected and a lot of times of course wage is one of those things and benefits also it's kind of like how do we sustain ourselves in the marketplace amongst all the competitors as a union shop the members themselves were the voice of the members and the people we represent. And so a lot of the work and the research that surrounds the marketplace, you know, we were able to create a contract. That's where it's like there's an agreement with being we represent the workers, the employee, the workers, and the company owners or heads. We come to an agreement and we set standards and rules. And these are like things that are written down that are guaranteed. So it sounds like the unions benefit not only the employees, but the employer. So why wouldn't an employer want the union to come in? A lot of time they fight the union because they workers, once the workers are union or part of a union, they can't just, they're not at a right to work place or they're not at at will employee. Um, At-will employee being that a non-union company can go ahead and terminate somebody without giving them a reason why. As opposed to those locations that are union, they, if let's say there is a suspension or there is a write-up or something, if the worker 
doesn't agree to it, they have the right to go and fight that and go through the process with the union and file a grievance, which that's when our union representatives get involved. They start doing an investigation and go ahead and help the members fight that process. So it sounds like it's the difference between having rights on your job as opposed to not having any rights. Right. Yes. And I think the subject matter which we talk about, like Maribel was saying, you know, sometimes it depends on the employer, really, when yeah. it comes down to it. We brought up Walmart, and I think, you know, you're bringing them into the picture of this discussion. It's kind of like, a, you know, it's a little extreme. Because, <laughs> we, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, hold on here, you know. <laughs> you know, those guys are just, you know what, we want the power, we do what we want. You know, it's kind of like you hear the stories where they lock their people inside and caught on fire, whatever. You know, you see these stories of Walmart, hold on, that's not these employers. And I think this is where it's like, like you asked earlier, you know, Dr. Brady is kind of, you know, do they want or do they not? Why? And I think... In the cannabis space, a little bit different, you know, we're, and a lot of the employers, these are like entrepreneurs, their mind, I feel, my belief is they're different. We're like the generation and the culture is, is shifting and changing. There's care and people really care, but there's all the traditional fundamentals of business that a lot of people still operate by. It's like, hey, I want that control. And ha having a union doesn't mean like you lose control. You just have an extra, you know, you know, system of kind of vetting out fairness. Because when it comes down, Maribel brought up, you know, like union reps help them. Well, we help companies that way. And I think in cannabis space, we're, you know, how do we manage people? What's the culture of people? How are they nowadays? And this is where we're able to mediate a lot of these problems that come up. And I know if I was, you know, I've been self-employed for a long time, you know, my family, they have their own business and there's always a concern, hey, I'm dealing with people. There's liability behind that, am I doing right? And when you're running out there and, and as fast as companies are growing, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes we need a little extra help. You know, how do we do deal with this? How do we do this? And am I a company that fulfills like, hey, I really care for you. Do I really care for you or is it just lip service? Well, yeah. you, you know, you brought up an interesting point that, uh -huh. that you know, you brought up the the concept of you don't lose control, you gain control. Yes. I think that's that's very interesting. Let's talk a little bit about the cannabis space, okay. which is really why we're here. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I think giving a really good background mm -hmm. into unions and what unions do and what you all do is is very important for the listening audience to understand um, this fundamental question that I'm going to ask, why are you in the cannabis space? Uh, all the unions are part of this and they kind of like, you know, they're kind of umbrella in a sense when we look at it. It's like, hey, whose backyard is whose? Mm -hmm. It's like you stay in your lane kind of thing. And that's where it's like the UFCW, we're the cannabis union because our understanding of retail is one part of it. Oh. So there's retail cannabis and the fact that cannabis considered a drug you know we we understand that ufcw represents healthcare and everywhere and so does other unions also but all of the other unions they don't deal with the retail side of it where they interface customers where they buy things and so on and so forth and so we were you know set up that way to where ufcw's cannabis union 
we're part of, you know, Board of Pharmacy. We deal with a lot of the hospitals, the inpatient, outpatient, and the handling of drugs. And in, in that ecosystem, we flow very well within that and our understanding of it. So we're best fit for that. So is your union representation of, of cannabis companies just here in San Diego? Um, yes. Our area, like I, like Maribel said a little earlier, we represent from Fallbrook to the border all the way to the Imperial Valley. So all the cannabis that's in this area would we would represent. And we have sister um, locals, which is same UFCW, but they're a different office. They have their own autonomy. And like, say, in Orange County, they have their space. And then in the Imperial Valley, there's a different local. They have their space, their area. So which cannabis companies do you represent here in Sunday, in this area? We Here in San Diego, we have uh, Apothecare that is now owned by or changed companies to Ease, uh, March and Ash, MedMen, and Stizzy. There we go. Stizzy. Stizzy, which is... So, is that three or four? That's four. That's four. four. Okay. Yes. yes. So the four companies now, um, I think it's important to say that those are all legal cannabis companies or legal cannabis dispensary stores. Yes. yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. All right. So how many employees approximately do you represent when we talk about those four stores or companies? It's uh, 580 something employees. Oh so close to 600 employees. Close to 600 employees. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So over 600 families are represented by, by this union. Yes, yes. In, in cannabis. In cannabis industry, yes. Okay. So yeah. when did that start? That started approximately around 2000. At the end of 2018, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's like when we, um, I think around 2018, Med Men at that point in time became union, and then that one location on Apothecary, because of Med Men, the way they purchased, sold, mm-hmm. we had that one too, and there, there, that was the two. So how did that happen? Did they call you up and say, hey, Grant Maribel, come on down? Um, during that time, it was like Maribel and I didn't handle that. I don't, and um, it was handled by the the leadership group that was here before us. And they, what happened? It ha- actually happened in Los Angeles. Is what happened in Los Angeles. They became union, and there was a lot of men in Los Angeles. And so when they became union up there, all the the men bands became union. They became it down here, and that's what happened. Under the same union or a different union? Um, under UFCW. So there's a UFCW up in LA. Yes. That's separate from the UFCW here in San Diego. Yes. We So UFCW is United Food and Commercial Workers and it's it's we have one main one and for every different location or jurisdiction it goes by a local number. So there's other UFCWs in Buena Park and LA area and in in Bloomington and other areas but they're all under different local numbers. So the local number here is 135. 135, yes. yeah. And each local operates on their own. They have yeah. their their own autonomy. They have their own president. They have their own secretary of treasurer and their own staff, mm-hmm. and they operate their ju- jurisdictional area. So are there, are there some companies that 
every time they open a a, a, a store, wherever they open it in San Diego, that you would be the representative? Yes. Which one is that? That would be uh, March and Ash. Okay. And um, that is like, it's part of, it's what we're able to agree upon at the time that we create contracts, you know, with the members themselves, because it's a security thing also. It's kind of like, hey, we want a union shop, you know, we don't, you know, this is what we're, it's the same thing like our grocery store, like Vons. When they open up a Vons store, like a new one, the contract has language in it. They call it accretion. Yeah, they call it accretion and it allows the store to come in. And so it makes it easier because they want all of it to be union and they create that that way. Mm-hmm. So if the contract addresses it, then it's then it becomes like that. Okay, so since we're talking about March and Ash, yes. and March and Ash has uh, a contract with you yes. that, that states whenever they open a store, whether yeah. it's San Diego, Vista, I guess Imperial Valley, um, wherever in San Diego, you are the representative for those employees. Yes. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay. So we talked about representation and we also talked a little bit earlier about benefits. So what are the benefits that you guys have helped to negotiate with March and Ash for their employees? There, there's a lot of benefits in their contract. Um, the contract that March and Ash and us that negotiate, we created together, um, you know, of course, you know, the work standards and that's like different work rules and things like that, the wages, and it set a schedule of wages to where, you know, any member that comes in to get a job, they know where they're pro- progressing to. And then there's also um, daycare incentives because we recognize that in this industry, you know, a lot of young workers, you know, single parents, and it's really difficult to be able to find help. It's like, how do you sustain, you know, staff and operate well, you know? And a lot of these, a lot of the younger generation, they need the, you know, and additional help. So that was something that was created in the agreement to create a daycare program Wait for Wait a it. minute, you're telling me that in the cannabis space, yeah. you help negotiate daycare? Yeah. Yes. Or child that, care? Yes. That was, for me, that was one of the big ones, uh, wow. child care. Yeah. And, and most people tend to think, you know, it's mostly for single moms, but there's a lot of single fathers out there. And even if they're not single, right, just the price of child care is so much money that they have to decide, well, should I just stay home or do the child care? Especially when all of the COVID was hitting up, especially when it started last year. That was a big thing where people had to choose, especially when kids stayed at home. They weren't going to school. They were doing the online school system part. That's what came up, uh, the big thing on the surveys. Because even once we get workers or the majority to accept the union in, we still have to work on a contract. So even with March and Ash's contract, it didn't go into effect until as of last year. And that was because we had to send out the survey to the workers, see what were some of the biggest things that they focused on or what they wanted help on or or they wanted something to have on a contract. Um, there was a lot of parents that child care was a big thing. Um, and there's some other ones that are single or have no kids. And education was a big thing. So we presented both things, education and child care. And we were able to get 
uh, child coverage, but at the same time, not everybody has kids, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So we were also able to get school coverage. So where education, it doesn't have to be part of the cannabis industry. If people or some of the workers here would like to continue their education, they could go ahead and do that and they'll get coverage on that up to a certain extent. So because of, of your representation, cannabis employees here at March and Ash or at March and Ash or maybe at, at any cannabis company yeah. have child care and, and educational benefits. Yes. That's, yeah. that's tremendous. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a lot of brainstorming around that. And it was the creation between, you know, company and labor together. And that's where March and Ash and us were able to create those. It's just like I was saying earlier, you know, we look at, we operate, you know, under a kind of almost interest-based methodology. We look for where the issues are. How are we able to create this and make this work? And where we're able to really legitimize and create, you know, an industry where, you know, we create career jobs. I mean, careers, not just jobs, yeah. really. So that's kind of how that happened. And there's a possibility for many other things, you know. So tell me, how did the employees feel about that? I mean, were they expecting? I know that Maribel talked about a survey was sent out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm guessing that the survey indicated that employees wanted child care. That came up big at the yeah. top of the list. Yep. Yeah. So when they got that, how did they feel about it? Oh, they're ex they were excited. They were excited. loved that. And... It was like they didn't think it was possible. It was like, it's like that was the first time that has ever happened. Yeah. We, it was like a pipe dream years ago. I remember like it started like, was it 2005? No, no, no. It was actually 2002. There was discussion about it from LA. Actually, we were talking about, you know, how do we get daycare? Everybody laughed at us. And I just like, hey, that's a good idea, you know, because I remember at that time, it was like, you know, sometimes I needed daycare. I just, the kids needed to go somewhere. It was like brutal. I couldn't, there wasn't enough places to bring my kid for one. Second of all, they're expensive like heck. And then the drop-off times are funny. It's like they have their specific hours. It was almost like I was locked out from people to have that. It was very difficult. And it was like, how would you even get that? And it was like, nobody ever thought about it forever. And now it's here. So... But it, the difference in what you're talking about, for your example, is you were in the retail, yeah. uh, grocery retail, yeah. and this is the cannabis space. Yeah. Yes. Was the thinking there that, you know, why should you bring childcare into the cannabis space? Or was it more, hey, a job is a job? Yeah, a job well, is a job. Well, a job is a job, but I think that it, for me, it's more because it's the cannabis space. Yeah. Because okay. there's recognition of, the members right now that are working cannabis, I believe, what I see, they're culturally different. You know, they're younger. I mean, they're, they're younger for one. And the way they think, there's this ingenuity and this creativity that they have that's different. It, you know, it, it seems like a younger generation. I mean, there's just, I love this culture. And it's kind of like, how do we? They're always thinking, how do we fix this? How do we help this? And there's the way they think, the things they do, it, they're just a little different. And I, I like that. I think it's really cool. 
since the cannabis industry is legal, unfortunately, it's still not federally legal. So it's not like the employer can invest anything for their retirement on, on a federal level. So we were able to include that onto the contract where the company has offered something where at least locally or until it becomes federally legal, they give them some type of a of funding for for once they retire, which would which is some type of a time sh- of a not a timeshare, but some type of a share out of the company's benefits here. The majority of cannabis companies I've seen out there, they love their people. It's kind of like they have these relationships and these it, they seem closer. It's kind of how what I noticed, and it's like how do we take care of them? And I know when we were bargaining, like Maribel brought up, it was kind of like. You know, can we create a fund, like an investment, kind of like, you know, profit sharing in a sense or something? You can't really do that. How do you do it? So we created a system to do that to where it's like, hey, you know what? You work hard, depending on what the earnings are, you get a percentage of it. Whether it's like, you know, like, you know, like some companies, they give you shares of stock and different things. But you could do that and you can create something to where, you know, it can pay dividends or we can roll it into some system when it does come legal at some point. But right now we're kind of stuck in this space where it's like, how do we create something? Because what's important here is like this new, the like I was saying, this the generation of workers now, there is turnover. A lot of guys are, well, I don't like this. I'm done. You know, people are all over the place. There's turnover everywhere. The thing here is we know it's like when we bring somebody in and guys work, we, you know, we know that if you train them, they're working hard. If they're committed, they work harder, they do better work, they're productive, and we can develop them, grow them. Now that's a great place for us to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we'll have more with our guest and Dr. Leroy. You're listening to the Cannabis Enlightened Podcast powered by March and Ash. Hey, podcast listener, I'm JC Pope, producer with IVC Media. I'm just interrupting to see if maybe you have a business, a nonprofit, or even a campaign that's basically struggling to break through all the communications noise and clutter. Well, for more than 10 years, IVC Media, we've been putting together a suite of digital tools, data sets, and techniques to help deliver innovative and effective communications. I mean, we have teams in both San Diego and Tijuana, so we can help you overcome the most challenging projects in any language or location for that matter. Don't believe me? Look, feel free to go check us out at ivc.media and see how we can help you. I mean, go ahead. Go take a look. What do you really have to lose? Welcome back to the Cannabis Enlightened Podcast. I'm Chris Canturi, and here's more from our host, Dr. Leroy Brady. Where are you going with this uh, representation in the cannabis space? The way I see it is, you know, traditionally the way people perceive unions or owners of companies perceive unions, kind of scary. It's like a loss of power. How do I work with them? But I need them. You've seen that, like in you know, in other areas, you know, different companies, they've reached out to us. Hey, I, you know, I know you got something. What do I need to do? And I think this is an opportunity, you know, with labor and unions expertise, 
when the companies reach out and the willingness to actually work and partner allows us to forge, you know, forward in different ways we've never done before. And for me, you know, my personal feelings here, I feel that, you know, we can create career jobs and really set an example because like, I love cannabis, you know, I love this space. I just, you know, my kids, they're all about it, you know, in a different way. And I just, I want a career for them. This is like, the world is different now. Jobs are changing. We've seen how things work. You have gig market, you have all these things going on. How do we, you know, create a good place to work? You can have a family and all that. And I think working together, I think the industry wants that also. How do I legitimize my company? or my industry to where when I have somebody come working, they can be proud. Hey, where do you work? Hey, I work for so-and-so, a cannabis retailer. You know, you, you, you both benefit. Yes. You know, yep. that the company benefits from you and, and, and you benefit to the company. So mm -hmm. um, there's this legitimizing yes. that happens. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It definitely helps on every level. I mean, not only even depending where, obviously, the cannabis industry is becoming legal, it, it's growing a lot more and it's going into different locations now. But it doesn't go just by what's going to be best for the workers and the company, but also the community. And especially, uh, I'm, I'm even referring to like lower income communities where the cannabis industry is coming in. And some of some people, we got to make sure that we're educating the community, letting them know what the difference is from what was there. That was those those uh, black market shops that were closing from one day to another, but yet they were opening back up at the other corner the next day. But that was totally different, right? It, and now that it's becoming or it has became legal, uh, educating the community on what the benefits are to it as well, and making sure that if they do feel uncomfortable, just like Grant mentioned, right, we had people of all kinds of ages, and, and, and depending on what their medical circumstances were, we're going in and are purchasing the product as well. We need to make sure that we educate them on what the differences is, and especially from what's out there on the street, from the street product to what's the legal items as well. I think that folks really want to know yeah. um, what does the union have to do with the workers? With the workers. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And and what do you bring to um, the cannabis? How, how do so, you... Go ahead, Mirabel. No, I was just going to say, so even here locally, even just the local elected officials, since now the cannabis industry is definitely growing a lot more, and there's some things that they were trying to pass uh, at the city council level and uh, even with the uh, um, board of supervisors, but before they even made decisions, a lot of them went out of their way. They made sure they contacted us and seeing where we stood on it, what we thought about it, and how else we could educate them a little bit more about that the, that topic, especially because they know we represent the cannabis industry. Well, yeah, well, the members. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, the, the members, our yeah, members, members, right? Not the cannabis industry in general, yeah, but yeah. the members that we the represent. as a whole. Yeah. And you know what? They were just... And that was kind of like their outreach, you know, and that's really important. You need community outreach when you're creating rules. It's like, how do you figure out how that works? And so a lot of times we're part of that process and we bring people together also to kind of. I'd like to do a little, you know, promo for your union <laughs> um, because you guys do a lot of, of hard work. We, we They can email us. They can email us at info like info at ufcw135.com. 
Okay. And it'll come. It'll come in. It'll, it'll come to our mailboxes, and we can make contact that way. Okay. Yeah. And if any of you, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, younger generations with the social media. We are definitely on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at uh, UFCW135.com. Well, thank you very much, uh, Grant and Maribel. This has been very enjoyable, very informative. Um, I want to thank you for spending this time with me and, and the audience. And I uh, hope to see you back again. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Dr. Brady, for sure. If you'd like to hear more Cannabis Enlightened with Dr. Leroy, be sure to visit us online at CannabisEnlightened.com and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. Cannabis Enlightened is produced in San Diego, California and presented by March and Ash at MarchandAsh.com. On behalf of Dr. Leroy, I'm Chris Cantori and thank you for listening.